centered around who gets the news. We will be reading from Matthew <clears throat> chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, <clears throat> Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and, Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Will you please pray with me as we pray for our pastor and for our message this morning? Dearest Lord, these stories that we have heard and the scriptures that we have read and the messages that we have received these past few weeks have been once not unfamiliar to us, but they are once again a way to remind us of the power and the majesty and the humbleness of your birth. There was so much that happened and so many different people that were involved and that heard the news that we want to be those that hear it again and hear it fresh and hear it with new hearts and new ears and, and understanding. And so, Lord, as Pastor Keith comes forward to give the message this morning that you've shared with him to prepare and, and deliver, we just ask that our hearts will be completely open to it and receive um, all of this with new understanding and new love for you and for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just feel the Lord moving in powerful ways. Um, just God, the way God answers prayers, you know, God answered a, a pretty awesome prayer this morning. And uh, as I was sitting here getting ready for church, I saw little Katie walk in with Kathy. And that's an answer to prayer right there. And the reason why I know it's an answer to prayer is because Cassie, who was singing up here, was telling me that, that little Rylan over there prays every day. That Katie could come back to church. How old is Ryan? Six year old, six year old boy. Prays every day for his little friend to come back to church who's battling a, 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 a horrible disease. And I'm telling you what, we were singing that song, 
Bless the Lord, all my soul. Whatever comes to pass, and whatever lies before me, you don't know what this year is going to bring to you. It may be good. It may be bad. Whatever it is, make your new year about worshiping Jesus, no matter what happens. And it'll be the best year ever. I could walk out of here right now. Some of you are going, bless the Lord. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not going to do that, you see. Because there's more to the story. But I, I know, because I, I, I see a lot of you, I know a lot of your lives, I know what some of you are going through, and I know what I'm going through, and I know that it's a mix for all of us, isn't it? This, this news of Jesus Christ's birth is a powerful reminder that in the midst of darkness, the news of God coming to us is always powerful, right? Jesus came to the world, not when everything was awesome. There was a 400-year silence from God. If you look at the last book of the Old Testament, between the first book of the New Testament, 400 years of waiting. I don't know about you, but I don't last very long waiting for things. I'm an impatient person, right? And sometimes when God doesn't answer my prayers the way I want him to, right there on the spot, I just go, what is going on, God? But as we say today, his faithfulness is great. And that's what we should pray for more than anything and be aware of in our prayers as we come to this New Year's Day. Isn't the faithfulness of, of a God who, who blesses us according to our desires. It's the faithfulness of a God who knows more than we could ever know and blesses us according to his sovereign plans. And his ultimate knowledge. And not only his ultimate knowledge, but his ultimate love for all of us. And it's hard to work that out sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to work out this ultimate love because life still comes at us, doesn't it? It, it still hits us with unexpected ways. Some good, some bad. And we as Christians have to navigate this news in the midst of a life that doesn't always line up the way that we want it to. It doesn't always do that. And I'm told this microphone isn't lining up either. It's a good thing I have a big mouth. <laughs> so what I want to say this morning is this. The news of Jesus Christ's birth goes beyond Christmas. You might say, wait a minute, why are we still on this Christmas series? Didn't we wrap that up last week? Well, we got one more. You want to know why? Because the wise men didn't show up at Christmas. Did you know that? Did you see what the scripture was? Did you hear what it said? It said, after the baby was born, the wise men saw the star and they followed it. And where did they go? Did they go to the manger? No. It says they went to the house. Jesus wasn't a baby, so to speak, a newborn baby when the wise men showed up. So all of our nativity scenes have to be totally redone, don't they? Some of your minds are being blown right now. What? You know, we have our traditions, we have our understandings, but we have to ask ourselves, you know, where do these come from? And are they biblically accurate? Are they historically accurate? 
It says that this happened after Jesus was born, during the time of King Herod. Now, King Herod was called Herod the Great. Now, guess who called him Herod the Great? Himself. I guarantee you it wasn't anybody else around him that called him Herod the Great, because Herod was anything but great. Herod was an evil king, an evil king. And if you continue to read the story about what happens after these events, you see that Herod pursues Jesus in order to kill him because he's threatened by this new king. But I want to talk to you today about the news spreading beyond Christmas because that's what it does. It doesn't just stop at Christmas. How many of you have torn your trees down and undecorated your house already, right? You know, yeah. boy, a lot of you are waiting, all right? <clears throat> Ours is still up. That's going to happen probably tomorrow. I don't know. Um, but oftentimes we, we're approached by Christmas. It starts to hit us around Valentine's Day, it seems like. And then, you know, we're already thinking about it. But as soon as it's over, it's like, all right, we want to move on. We want to get, we, we got past the craziness of the holidays. We want to move into the new year. Well, here we are, right? But the news of Jesus Christ doesn't stop to be spread. And we're going to talk about who gets the news today. And it's the wise men that get the news, but not just the wise men. We're also going to talk about King Herod getting the news. Now, let's talk about these wise men. The wise men were called magi from the east. Now, the word magi is kind of related to the word magic. We don't know very much about these these wise men. We call them wise men because that's what the traditions tell us they were. They tell us that they were kings, but nobody really knows for sure. If you look back in the ancient church tradition and the ancient church teaching, that's what many of the church fathers believed them to be. But that was more of a speculation than any type of historical fact. It doesn't really so much matter. But they were from the east. Matthew doesn't specifically say that they were kings or that there were even three of them. Some of you are going, what? But there were three gifts. So... We're just going to say there were probably three people, but there could have been more. What's interesting is how these magi got the good news. A preacher didn't approach them. They didn't, they didn't, you know, get on Facebook and find out what was happening. They didn't have anything like that. It says that they saw a star and they followed it. Now, clearly there is more to this story than what we're given in Matthew's gospel What kind of star? How did they know about this star? We don't know these things. They followed the star to Jerusalem and approached the king. They came to Herod. Of course they would come to the king because this was the star of the king. So of course they would expect that the king of this land would understand what was going on. But Herod, of course, didn't have a clue. Herod, of course, gets the good news. And I'd like to sort of compare and contrast how Herod responded to the news versus how the Magi responded to this news. And I want you, as we always do when we tell these stories, to try to figure out where you fit into this story. Are you more like the Magi or are you more like King Herod? I hope that you're not more like King Herod. If I have to start calling some of you the great after this, we might have to have some some talks afterwards. So the Magi... They saw the star and followed it. This means that they knew about this expected king. They were looking for it. It says, we saw his star and we followed it. Now, they didn't just 
randomly see any star and decide to follow it, they somehow knew the prophecies. They knew that there would be a king born in Israel. But it may seem strange because these magi were not Jews themselves. Why would they be concerned about a Jewish prophecy concerning a Jewish king? Furthermore, why would these magi feel a need to worship a young child? Why would they come? Why wouldn't they say, oh, the king was born. We'll, we'll go see him in you know, a few years' time when he's grown to be a man and he becomes the king. No, they said, we need to go worship this king right now. We need to go. These are interesting questions, aren't they? Perhaps what we see is that God was reaching out to those that were beyond the nation of Israel. Now, this was, of course, unthinkable to the Jews because they believed that this Messiah would come just for them, that they were God's chosen people, that they were the preferred ones of God, and that the Messiah would be just for them. But obviously, God has a greater plan. God reaches out to people that that oftentimes... Many would say are beyond the reach of God. It's interesting, isn't it? They saw the star and they followed it. I want you to think for a minute about those stars in our lives that lead us to Jesus. What are they in your life? When you look back at your life story of faith, What are those things that you saw that led you to Jesus? Think about it. Stars come in all shapes and and, and forms for us, for many of us. Oftentimes, the signs that we see are other people. Is there a star in your life that's led you to Jesus, a person who's shown you the way of the gospel? A pretty powerful star. Sometimes God uses circumstances, things that happen in your life that, that somehow God puts it there in place to draw you to Jesus. Sometimes even God uses trials as our star. I was uh, sitting in my office a few days ago and a man who's a member of our church who's, who's fighting cancer came in and we were heard him talking so we went in just to kind of check on him a little bit and said how you doing and and he was talking to Karen and I and he said you know a lot of people who've who've struggled with this situation you know wrestle to 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 find God in this or maybe even walk away from God but I'm I'm doing my best to to let my trial draw me closer into the arms of Jesus I'll tell you what that is the greatest way to look at that Because oftentimes God will send trials into our lives or allow trials into our lives. Because sometimes those are the things that God uses to allow us to to come to him. Let's face it, for many of us, we just cruise through life when things are going great. Just cruise through. And, And it's when something unexpected knocks us off our path that we have to stop and say, wow. How am I going to react to this? Am I going to let the unexpected thing that's, that's difficult for me push me away from God? Or, or am I going to let this thing show me that God is the most important thing, the most important person? 
That's a star, praise God. That is a powerful witness. It's easy to be all gung-ho, bless the Lord, oh my soul, when everything's going great, isn't it? It's easy to do that. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Don't feel guilty for that. Bless the Lord in those times, but also bless him in those difficult times. It's tough. It's tough. God uses all sorts of things. He uses his word, doesn't he? He uses his word to speak to us directly as we open the scriptures, as we come to God in prayer. He'll speak to you if you let him. Undoubtedly, there were others who saw this star that the Magi saw. But these were the wise men who chose to follow it. Stars are all over the place for each of us. What makes you a wise man or a wise woman is whether or not you follow them to Jesus. What else about the Magi? Well, it says they came and they saw the star and followed it, and it says that they brought gifts. They brought gifts to this king. The Bible tells us that everything that was made was made by, through, and for Jesus. Did you know that? And yet here Jesus is as a helpless baby. And these wise men brought gifts to show their honor. These gifts were valuable. And they showed that the king was worthy of sacrifice. Now, I was thinking about this last week. You know, Christmas rolls around. And and, and I'll just be honest with you. I don't need my kids to buy me presents. I don't, I don't, if, I, if I want something, I can go buy it for the most part, right? As long as it's okay with my wife. But if, if, I, if I need a new pair of shoes or a watch or, or, or a coat or, or something like that, I don't go to my kids and go, you know, I really need this stuff, you guys. I'm really hoping I don't drop the hints that they drop. Oh, hey, did you see what I saw on the internet? Look what's on sale. I don't do that. Right? I don't need that. But I tell you something. It's a blessing in my life and in our family when we get to exchange gifts, not because we really have things that we need that we don't have, but because it's awesome when someone cares enough about you to sacrifice. You know, and, and all of my kids have jobs, they make their own money and they, they save their money to buy each other and buy us gifts. And and that's a pretty cool thing, I think. Not because we need the, the material gift, but because we want to experience what it's like to have that sacrifice. Think about that for a second. Jesus doesn't need the gifts of the, of the Magi any more than he needs the gifts that we have to bring to God from a materialistic standpoint. But what makes the gifts of the Magi so special and consequently the gifts that we bring to our Lord special is the sacrifice that goes with them because sacrifice is the evidence of love. Sacrificial love is the kind of love that God models for us. And sacrificial love is the kind of love that God desires from us. Consequently, it's the kind of love that God desires for us to have for each other. You know what I mean? So these magi don't show up and just go, oh, well, hey, I'm here. What's going on? Where's the party? Mary, did you make some coffee? Joseph, did you make us little trinkets? 
we, we came a long way. You're a carpenter, right? These wise men didn't come looking to be served when they came to worship the king. They didn't come because of what they were going to receive. They traveled a long way to get there. They left their jobs behind. They left their families behind. They left their kingdoms behind them to travel to meet and worship and sacrifice and give gifts to this baby king of a nation that wasn't even theirs. This stings me a little bit when I think of our North American Christian culture of church that's often more consumed with what we're going to get when we come to church than what we can give, see. It's hard. You know how many church growth books there are written about stuff you have to do to draw people to come to church? It's tough. Because we live in a world where people's first concern typically is, what am I going to get out of this? And if I had a nickel for every time I had a conversation with someone who left the church because they told me, I just wasn't getting anything out of this, I would be a very wealthy person. The Magi got the news and they brought gifts. They didn't come expecting to get anything. Thirdly, the Magi bowed before the baby Jesus. Don't lose the significance of that. These are powerful, wealthy, rich kings, more than likely, from foreign lands. And they come to the home of a humble, poor carpenter, Joseph. And they bow before this infant. Think of that. What would... What would we do, right, if the king of a foreign land was going to come to our church to have worship, to, to, to visit us? We'd probably make sure we had everything perfect. We'd probably have all this pomp and circumstance. We, you know, we treat people like princes sometimes in the church. These kings came and they humbled themselves before this baby. I was thinking about that, you know. How do we approach Jesus when we come to worship? Do we approach him as equals? God is my co-pilot type of thing. Jesus is my best friend kind of thing. We're pals. We're peers. He's my little, my little buddy that I talk to when I'm having a bad day. Is Jesus your imaginary friend or is he the king of the universe? Think about that. When you come before God, humble yourself. And then lastly, the Magi, it says that they avoided Herod after being warned in a dream. They go to Herod. Herod says, when you find this, this young king, come back and tell me that I may go and worship him too. And I'm sure when they left, they had every intention of doing that. But after they were warned in a dream, they traveled home by another route. Herod was the king, but the wise men understood that Jesus was the king of kings. And even the baby Jesus outranked the established political king. Does Jesus outrank all the kings of your life too? Think about that. Who are the kings of your life? Is it your boss at work? Is it your portfolio manager? Is it your coach? 
Is it your parents? Is it your spouse? Is it some celebrity? Some political candidate? Some person on your block that you're trying to keep up with or some other person you're trying to impress? Some, some, some idea that you have that you need to be? It's a lot of kings in our world that demand our allegiance and that demand our worship. And oftentimes they will tell you who to bow to and what to do and which way to go in your life. And they'll even try to work Jesus into that. Oh, that's okay. You know what? You can worship me and Jesus at the same time. You can follow what I say and Jesus at the same time. See, these these magi knew that they they couldn't obey the king. They had to obey the king of kings. Who are the kings of your life? I want you to really begin to think about that. And does Jesus outrank them? Let's talk about Herod for a moment. Herod the Great. Do some research on Herod the Great if you want to sometime. He was a, a very interesting guy. He was a murderous, evil man. He was, a, he was the king, but check this out. Herod the Great didn't even know the prophecy about the Messiah. When they came to tell him, he was like, what? He didn't know anything about that. As the king of Judea, you would think that Herod would know the scriptures. But you see, Herod the Great was more of a Roman puppet than a leader of his people. He doesn't seek to know the word of God. Herod is only concerned about his worldly power. He doesn't care about the Jewish people and their understanding of God. He was a wicked man. All he thinks about in his paranoia is how do I stay on this throne? Had members of his own family killed because he was afraid of them. Wives of his killed because he was suspicious of their activities. Herod was a man who, above all, was, was, was infatuated by his own power and with his own power. And nobody, not even God himself, would challenge Herod the Great. Secondly, Herod operated in secret. He went to the Magi secretly and said, listen, you find out where he has come back. Why does he have to do anything in secret? Because what he was doing was evil. You see, here's the thing. When you have to do things in your life secretly, it's because they're evil. Herod's motives are evil, so he acts in secret. Thirdly, Herod sent others to find out about Jesus. Think about that for a second. Did Herod say, whoa, oh, hey, wait a minute. The king of the Jews is born? I- I'm coming with you guys. I, I-, I was too busy in my-, in my castle over here in the temple or in my-, in my palace that I didn't see the star, but thank you guys for coming. Can I come with you? Let me go. No. He wouldn't leave. He sent other people to find out about Jesus for him. He sent other people. Pursuit of Jesus is a personal one. You can't have others look for you. It doesn't matter who you are. You have to know Jesus yourself. Do you? Do you send others to look for him for you? Do you come to know Jesus yourself or do you believe that because 
somebody in your family is a Christian that you're a Christian. Do you believe that because your parents were Methodists and you're on the name of the Methodist church that therefore you're, you're in the club? Do you come to church because your kid has to for a confirmation class? Do you, do you come to church because your husband makes you or your wife drags you here or because you got asked to volunteer for something and you, you didn't want to say no, but whatever. And, and, and do, do you come for all those reasons? Listen, whatever reason you're here is a good reason. But don't let those reasons stop at the door. Recognize that God's drawn you here for a personal, specific reason. He sent you a star, you see. He wants you to follow it. Herod refused to follow that star, didn't he? He said, I'll just sit here. You guys go report back to me. And then ultimately, Herod plotted to destroy Jesus. Herod had proof that Jesus was the prophesied king of the Jews, and he knew this was all coming true. But rather than submit himself to God, Herod chose to try to thwart God's plan. He chose to say, okay, God, I see what you're doing here. I see that you're trying to do something here, but you know what? I'm going to go around that. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to stand against you, and, and you think that you've got me figured out or this thing figured out. Well, guess what? I'm going to destroy all these young children. I'm going to wipe this out. I'm going to take control. You know what that's called? It's called rebellion. It's what happens when we try to work against God's plan. So, who are you more like? As you move into this new year, will you seek to find what Jesus is doing? Will you follow the star or stars that are sent to you? Will you take yourself off the throne and allow Jesus to rule your life? As the king of kings? Will you come to Jesus offering sacrifice, sacrifice and gifts? Or are you coming to Jesus only to consume? Say, God, here's what I need. Here's what I want. Here's what you have to do. Whatever is going on in your life, in, going on in your life remember this. God is is drawing you to Jesus. The question is, will you follow? He is the ultimate gift and is sending stars to bring you to him closer than ever in 2017. So in the midst of your New Year's resolutions to eat healthier, which is a great thing to do, to work out more, which is great, to be a better person, whatever that means, to be more responsible, which is awesome, or whatever else you've decided that you want to do in this new year, and I applaud all of those things, I would say, if it hasn't already been added, add this to it, to follow the stars that God sends you to Jesus. You do that then it doesn't matter whether you gain or lose any weight, get a promotion or get fired. It doesn't matter what else happens around you. If you follow all of that to Jesus, this will be the best year ever. 
because God doesn't draw people to him in vain. 